We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning. Y'all take your time fellowshipping because I'm going to take my time teaching. (laughs) See, she's experienced. She knows how long I can talk. Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter two, two verses of scripture and One verse in Psalms 42. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This is a quotation from the Psalms, and in the Psalms it says, prepared for those who serve him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, deep things of God. In Psalms 42, deep calleth unto deep. 2, verses 9 and 10. Psalms 42, 7, deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. Uh... I'm a real late comer to Facebook. (laughs) And uh, after about three months of Facebook, and I've about decided it's not for me. But I read a post that kind of resonated with me, and uh, it was taking a tongue-in-cheek slap at 2020. And this post said, if my mother's threat still goes, I'm going to take her up on it because mama said she was going to slap me into next year. (laughs) To say that 2020 has been a challenge is an understatement. There's a multitude of people that have lost a lifetime of work and effort. And more than a few have lost their fortunes. Uh, I have friends from my past that are extremely, extremely wealthy. And he said he hasn't made a dime this year. And that's unusual because generally his income runs into the hundreds of millions a year. I think when the books of 2020 are audited that the losses from this year across the board are going to exceed any gains that we have made as a people. And the story of so many people is sad and heartbreaking of not just what the pandemic, but our response and government's response to it has has done to us. The only thing that I can think of that has impacted our entire globe as much as this pandemic is 
has been the two world wars that we have been involved in in the past. And there are millions of people that will never, ever recover their losses from 2020. And the sad thing about it is that the solutions offered by the government and the experts have mostly been wrong about it all. Uh, our liberty has suffered along with the disease. And uh, as I said, along with the financial struggles of 2020, there have been a lot of people that have paid the ultimate price with the disease itself. But one of the things that I have noticed, I've noticed another struggle, and that there seems to be a peaked struggle and in interest toward godliness, not only in the church, but in our culture. And I think it's in times like these that we realize that we need to be more like Jesus than we ever have been before. But the problem is, do we know how? Do we know how to really be like Jesus? You know, some of us have come out of a movement where we were talked into a spiritual reputation that we really didn't know how to attain. We really didn't know how to reach the level of the reputation that we purported that we had with God. So we just continued to live on the surface. And we had conferences all over this nation and all over the world called Deeper Life Conferences. And they were all geared toward helping Christians find a deeper life with God. But a deeper life is not a place that you visit. It, it happens when someone authentically and genuinely becomes and really finds Jesus Christ. It requires a tenacious hunger for discipleship. It, it takes a fervency in prayer and a desire that you connect with him, that you know that you and he are connecting and communicating and relating to one another. There must be a desire in the disciple to be with him. Of all the multitude of disciples that were followed Jesus during his earthly ministry, he only chose 12 to be with him. I think that in the heart of every child of God, there needs to be that, that desire to be in the inner circle. Not for any prestige sake, but just to have that kind of closeness and communion 
in relationship with Jesus Christ. What it must have been like for John to lay his head on the breast of Jesus and hear his heart beat. And I think that so much of what Paul wrote in, to the church in Corinth is related to us to the future of what God is preparing for us in eternity. But I think it more clearly talks about what we can have now. That our eyes haven't seen, our ears not heard, neither has it entered into our hearts what God has prepared for us, what we can enjoy and know and experience and have in God today. I think Paul was conveying to us that our eyes and our ears and our intellect are far too limited to embrace God. We had some Bible studies in Poland, and the only place we could find to have them was in John Bull Pub. And they had a little meeting room outside the pub itself, and uh, so we met there on a weekly basis. And in one Sunday session, uh, Vanna's father was there, and uh, he has three doctorate's degrees, very, very, very brilliant man. And... Uh, he asked me the question. He said, you know, how does a person comprehend intellectually God? And I told him, I said, Yersey, really, it's, it's impossible. Because God is infinite. There's no end to anything you say about him. There's no end to his power. There's no end to his presence. There's no end to his grace. There's no end to his forgiveness. There's no end to his glory. And that's just beyond the human mind to be able to embrace. And I really do think that through our five senses, that our five senses provides instruments, instruments that are far too crude to really know and to understand God and to relate to him. It's kind of like comparing a carpenter's tape to a scientist's micrometer. Uh, some carpenter's tapes, you know, most of mine go down to an eighth of an inch, some to a sixteenth. But guys who really work at trim work, their tape measures go down to a thirty-second of an inch which is probably about six or seven of our hairs put together. But a micrometer can measure to one ten-thousandth of an inch. Or comparing a dog no dog's nose whose olfactory lobes are 40 times greater than the human sense of smell but comparing their nose, or like a bear, a bear has probably one of the greatest senses of smell of any animal. 
I read a story of a forest ranger who was trying to capture this grizzly bear that was kind of terrorizing this remote neighborhood. So he put this bear trap in and he filled it with all kind of rank meats and, and just rotting stuff to attract him. And he was in a canoe about a mile out in the lake with binoculars looking at the trap. And he saw this grizzly come up and begin to scent and smell inside. And suddenly the bear whipped around and turned around and started scenting toward him. Because the wind was blowing from the lake to the land, and that grizzly smelled the man and left the trap. But to a mass spectrometer, which I used when I was in gas engineering, can determine one billionth of a part of a contaminant in an oxygen line. It's like trying to quantify the ocean's depth with a, with a teacup. Now, Paul informs us that Moses endured as seeing him who was invisible. Moses saw what others couldn't see, but that's because he walked on a different level with God than the rest of Israel walked. You remember on the Mount of Sinai, when the mountain shook with lightning and thunder, as, as Moses come down, the people ran to him and said, listen, I know God wants us to be kings and priests unto him, but we're afraid of him. We're terrified of him. You go up and talk to God. You come back and tell us what he says, and we'll obey it, which we know that didn't last very long. But he walked with God on a different level. The Bible informs us that Paul heard a voice where others thought they heard thunder. But Paul understood it was the voice of God. I think in many times, in many cases, God speaks to the hearts and lives of his people, but they just don't recognize it as his voice. Paul encourages us to have the mind of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but it's perceiving Jesus on a different level. I'm not even sure that I know and understand what the mind of Christ is. I know that in prayer I have asked God on multiple occasions, let me see people like you saw people. Let me see a person like you saw a person. Let me feel what you felt when you saw them. It's not 
extrasensory perception, but it's spiritual sensory perception. I think as a child of God, you have to arrive at a place where to truly be a disciple, your heart becomes totally empty of self, of what you want, what you desire. And you become consumed and filled with, you know that the emptier you are inside, the more of Him that can be in your life. And that most of our spiritual life, we're involved in emptying ourselves of things that crowd out God, crowd Him out of our mind, crowd Him out of our day, crowd Him out of, out of our everyday lives. Mixing humanity with God is like mixing oil and water. You can shake them until they congeal together, but once you set it and it becomes still, they still again begin to separate. And how do you, uh, you know, there's some things you buy like some kind of vegetable dressing and whatever that the instructions on the bottle is shake well before using And I think sometimes God has to shake our lives violently before he can use us. Some years ago, I was asked to speak at a conference in Seattle, Washington. And I remember flying from Atlanta over the northwestern part of the United States. It's a vast, vast uninhabited area. Huge beautiful, vast. And so it is with the depth of God. And it's a depth that He has prepared for us and that He often encourages us and invites us to enter into it. There have been times in my life in prayer that I have have known that God was stretching the golden scepter toward me to invite me into his presence. I remember a time when I had first come into church that we had a service going on that was so powerful that I was literally wrapped up in a ball underneath the pew that I was in And I remember saying to God, God, you've got to lift off me. I'm going to die. This is going to kill me. Your presence is so powerful and it's so consuming. God becomes clearer as you gain insight. And I insight is the greatest perception that you can have. You can have a perception, and that's how things look to you. Then there's perspective, and that's how things look from where you're standing or what your values are. But there's another way of looking at things, and that's with insight. 
And that's seeing them as God sees them. The scripture says us that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I wonder how effective really it is to communicate with God on our human level when he's best approached on a spiritual level. And I know that there are people who are have so little capacity for the Spirit. Uh, David said that when he wanted to express some dark things, the only way he knew how to say them was on his harp. He could play them, but he could not say them. Have you ever been in prayer and not known how to express something to God? that you so desperately wanted to express, but you had no words to frame them. The encouraging part about that is that the Scripture tells us that he is a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, that when you don't know how to say it, when you don't know how to express it, you don't know how to put it in words, that he's so sensitive to you that he understands what you're trying to say. The word deep here in Scripture comes from the word bathos, which is used in nautical terms about the ocean because depth is a characteristic of the ocean. In the depths, there's no noise, there's no turbulence that you find on the surface. Just a few feet below the surface of a rolling ocean, it's quiet and it's serene and just a small amount of current. I was on a dive trip with some doctors from Duke University who were specialist in hyperbaric medicine. And uh, we were anchored off the coast of Fort Lauderdale, and there were like 15-foot swales that day. It's not a good day to dive, especially to a lot of amateur divers like doctors. <laughs> These doctors, anyhow. And uh, so... We let out the tagline behind the boat. We anchored off of a buoy. In fact, I went down to a wreck that was 100 feet below the surface and tied off the buoy, came back up the buoy, and then the boat tied off to the buoy, and then people began to drop off the back, and we had a tagline from the buoy to the back of the boat so that they could pull themselves to the buoy and then deflate their buoyancy compensators and, and go down. All of them had a dive computer that I was supposed to download. That's why I was on the trip, was to download their dive profiles from their dive computer. And some of them 
would stand at the buoy and get tossed and buried and wave after wave and wave. And I noticed they'd spend most of their time tumultuously on the surface. And that said a lot to me about spiritually that so often we spend so much of our time on the surface circumstances of life where there's all kind of disruption and trouble and the foam and peaks and valleys of the wave at the surface. But just maybe 10 or 12 or 15 feet down, all of that turbulence was gone. Do you know that not much deeper in faith where you operate, not much deeper in trust that you have in God, not much deeper in grace or in mercy or in forgiveness, just a little depth in God, there's true peace that passes all understanding. And you can't know it intellectually. You can only experience it spiritually. Depth is a gift of true discipleship. I came to understand depth just off the coast of Jamaica. I was diving just out from Falmouth, which sets on the Mark of Martha Bray River that is a freshwater river that flows through the from the mountains and uh, down through Falmouth and out into the, the Caribbean. It mixes with the salt water of the Caribbean, and because of that, the water becomes translucent, effervescent. At night, the lights from the uh, hotel and the dive shop that's set right there on the shore, the water just glows because of the mixture of the water. About 300 yards from the shore is the Cayman Trench. And from the shoreline, it drops off almost precipitately to like 60 foot of a sandy bottom. You can always find nurse sharks laying among the coral and the sea fans that are there. Nurse sharks don't feed on humans, so they're, they're safe to dive among. But just another 50 yards out, there is, you go over a wall. And the first time you go over it, the only thing I can equate to it is the rush that you feel when jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. There is this rush. You, the water turns from blue to dark blue to black. And you realize that you've swam out over the Cayman Trench, which is thousands of feet deep. When I realized that there was no visible bottom and the rush that I felt, there was almost like a panic and a fear that swept over me. And then almost immediately just a calm peacefulness as I just hovered 
out over that trench. And I began to let air out of my buoyancy compensator, and I had a weight belt on, and I began to sink down by that wall. And I'd see the sea fans and the eyes of spiny lobsters looking at me out of some hole they had backed into in that wall. I thought about Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. I said, that must have been what they felt when Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus on that mount. Or it must have been like the room where Jesus, without opening a door, came through that wall and appeared before his disciples to let them witness his resurrection. I had snorkeled at Falmouth on other occasions, floating on the surface face down. But then I learned how to dive and become a master diver, and I visited the depths. You see, an open water diver, which is the first level of diving, you're not allowed to dive below 60 feet of water. And there's a reason for that. Because other skills are necessary if you're going to go down into three and four and five and six atmospheres. Every 33 feet you go down in water, the atmosphere increases. So at 33 feet, you're breathing a double amount of oxygen and a double amount of nitrogen out of your tank. If you go down 66 feet, you're breathing three times the nitrogen and three times the oxygen. If you go down 100 feet, you're breathing four times. At 132 feet, five times. The problem with that is that nitrogen is a natural anesthetic. In fact, it's used in a lot of ORs that once a patient has been anesthetized and put to sleep, you breathe a high mixture of nitrogen to keep you knocked out under. And so before you're allowed to go into the depths, you have to go down with a dive instructor to like 100 feet. And he'll present you with a tablet on which he's written some very elementary mathematical problems. And after you've been down there about 30 minutes, then you have to solve these problems. If you're narked, you're going to get them all wrong. And that's going to tell you that you're highly susceptible to nitrogen loading. And so you don't need to be diving any lower than 60 feet. If you can work them correctly, then you have a higher tolerance for nitrogen loading. And so you can safely dive at deeper depths. But one of the problems in diving deep is that once you dive to, say, 132 feet and spend, say, 30 minutes down there, 
you have to have hung bottles three at 99 feet, two at 66 feet, one at 33 feet, and then the surface. Because you see, when you come up from 132 feet to 99 feet, you have to stop there. You run out of the oxygen on your tank, so you take it off and replace it with one of the tanks you've hung, and you sit at that level and you breathe. And the tank of, of compressed air lasts about probably 15, 20 minutes at 99 feet. And so you breathe that out, and then you put the other one on, you breathe it out. And your dive computer tells you when you've had enough unloading of, of nitrogen that you can now come up to 99 feet. And there you have to spend another, say, 40 minutes breathing out those two bottles of air. Then you come up to 32 feet. You take off that bottle, hang your bottle, and breathe it for probably 40 minutes. And then your computer says, now you can go to the surface. Because if you come up too fast, the nitrogen turns into liquid. It forms bubbles in your artery and vein system. When it goes to your brain, it kills you or to your lungs. So you have to come up slowly once you've gone down. Thousands of people come to Falmouth annually to snorkel these waters. And they'll tell you they've been there, they've seen it. In the language of a snorkeler and the language of a diver is much the same. But their experience is vastly, vastly different. The experience of going deep with God and the experience of Christianity on the surface is so different. A bathysphere is a still wall diving bell that can safely go to the depths. And men who do not have the experience or whatever, they go down to explore the depths in a bathysphere because it can withstand the crushing pressure, but they can quickly be brought back to the surface because the inner chamber of the bath bathysphere is kept at atmospheric pressure. Before you're allowed to go deep, you need to be certified. I think that there's a level of desire and hunger to go deep with God, to know Him, not to know about Him. Most of the Word of God can only tell you about God, but through the Word alone, you can never know God. You have to experience Him in your worship, experience Him in your prayer, Experience Him in your communion. 
the inscrutable glory of the deep cannot be described in those who are hooked on the safety of the shallows. But I know that God often has coaxed this church to step out into a little deeper experience with God. And I know that some of you are feeling it and some of you are being drawn into it and some of you are acquiring a hunger for it. And my encouragement to you today is don't fear, go. Go with him as deep as he can take you. Follow him regardless of how foolish it seems and how much control you have to abandon to him. Because the depth isn't where you go to study God. The depth is where you go to experience God. Paul said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints which pathos knowledge. You can't know this intellectually. I don't care how smart you are. You'll never know it through brain power. But may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know of anyone who has ever experienced the fullness of God like Jesus Christ. But Saul, Paul seems to intimate that it's possible for us He talks about the height of God. You know, when you're young, you want to experience everything. So in my first pastorate, I began to take flying lessons and got my private license. And when I got to Atlanta, uh, I used my VA benefits to get my commercial instrument, instrument instructor, instructor ticket. An airplane can have a service ceiling of about 12,500 feet. Now, the plane can probably go a little higher than that, but a naturally aspirated engine breathes on oxygen, and it gets up there, and it, the oxygen becomes so rare that it starts sputtering. But the problem is you develop hypoxia, your brain becomes oxygen-starved, and you pass out. So whether you go high or you go low, you need some special equipment for that. One of the things about the depths of God is that you recognize your smallness and your powerlessness and your need. but you can experience the vastness of God like no other time. 
you'll never doubt again how awesome God is and how vast He is. You get a smidgen of appreciation for how powerful and how loving and how forgiving and how gracious God truly is. We pray so often in the tidal pools of prayer in the shallows where we talk about stuff that we're asking for that we need that we see problems and whatever. So often in worship we feel we fear about getting overwhelmed in the presence of God. And so we find this comfortable place where we can interact with God. And either because of fear or ap- apathy, we learn this place and we come up to it and there's always that invitation to get out of the boat, to launch out into the deep. And the tidal pools of Christianity hold no, adver- no adventures like the deep presence of God offers. A tidal pool is only has water in it when the tide comes in. When the tide goes out, they're just small sandy puddles that aren't very deep. Paul says that humanly, out of my human attributes, out of my five senses, I can only perceive what man is. But he says, only by the Spirit can you perceive what God is. And that's difficult to explain to somebody who is cerebral. It's something you just have to crave. It has to become an obsession to your life. In fact, it only comes out of a desperate hunger and thirst to know God on a little little deeper level. Our ordinary senses allow us to discover so much about the world around us. But you have to know how limited and the shortcomings that the five senses that you have are in interacting with God. When I permit the Spirit to teach me, to lead me, to help me, I can experience what the eye and the ear and the touch and the mind cannot know. Faith just doesn't operate intellectually. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It only operates spiritually. The more intellectually we are, the more control freaks we are. And let me know, I understand what a control freak is. 
And the problem is that you can't be in control and the spirit be in control at the same time. It's either one or the other. We know what can be experienced in worship and prayer can be what I experienced out over that Cayman Trench. But you have to launch out into the deep. The Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who granteth liberally and upbraideth not. Like Job, we must esteem the words of his mouth more than our necessary food. Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Paul wrote in Colossians that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. I sense that some of you are getting very close to a spiritual breakthrough. I'm begging you not to stay in the tidal pool of your spiritual experience, but to launch out of the deep and to follow the Spirit because I can tell you this, you'll never be sorry that you've had that place with God. It is a place that you will seek and long to acquire and to know over and over and over and over again. We're getting there, but we're not there. But we just need a little, let a little bit of air out of our buoyancy compensator, our safe place where we're in control and abandon ourselves to God. It is exhilarating. Lord bless you. Let's take a short break. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.